In this episode of The Interface, I chat with Mohammed Alarabi, currently a design engineer at Times Microwave Systems in Wallingford, Connecticut. Mohammed has worked at a number of Amphenol divisions over the past two years as both an intern and an employee. We talk about the culture shock he faced growing up in Benghazi in Libya, then moving to Clarkson University in Potsdam, New York. We also talk about the manufacturing similarities between working in a bakery and working in molding at Amphenol. We talk about his involvement in the engineering development program, and we talk about learning multiple languages as part of his never-ending desire to keep learning. And I may ask him to say the interface is his favorite podcast online in Arabic. This is the interface. I didn't realize that you came from Libya. Yep, that's uh, that's my home country, and that's where I lived my uh, my entire life. I moved to the U.S. in 2014 for school. Really? Uh, so yep, it's yep. pretty recent. Oh yeah, pretty recent. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty recent, and it's been very adventurous five to six years. I mean, from I grew up in Benghazi, and from Benghazi five years ago to working at a 500 fortunate company right now, Amphenol leading an engineering development program. That's definitely been been a big change. Yeah. And and it's uh, I always uh, look back to my roots, and that's 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 what made me. Uh, the way I am and it's it's uh, I mean the transition wasn't wasn't easy because the reason for me moving here is I started engineering school back in the University of Benghazi but then uh, it was attacked and it was burned so I had to find an alternative way for school mm-hmm. tried to go to Egypt and Egypt wasn't that stable that much so right. I was like the US so uh, let's just go to the best place for education in the world and just went from community college and then I went to Clarkson University and then I found Amphenol and, and then here I am. I just found this opportunity and uh, I decided to follow up with it. And now I'm doing my master's uh, also from Clarkson so, while while I'm here in Amphenol. Okay. So. No, that's mm-hmm. great. So you found, so you came to the U.S. in 2014. Mm-hmm. How did you find... How did you find Clarkson of all places, which is in Potsdam, New York, I believe, right? So it's Abs- yep. way up, way up <laughs> north. It's almost southern Canada in, yep. in upstate New York. How did you get from Benghazi, Libya, which will take all of the uh, recent historical, political, whatever mm-hmm. from Benghazi that people in the U.S. know here, um, but it actually is a city. It's a place. It's where you were born mm-hmm. and raised and all that stuff. How did you get to Potsdam, New York, and Clarkson University. From there, how was that? How did that process happen? So it's very interesting, and it's very. Uh, that's that's the thing I like about life. It takes you to places that you would never think. You asked me five years ago, never even I didn't know what Clarkson is. So I, when I first moved to the US, I moved to Seattle, Washington, and it's a big city. It's a well known. I knew some people over there. It was easier transition. Uh, I started community college, and when I was there. As an eager engineer looking for future opportunities, I was looking for the best uh, internship programs. And Clarkson was number one in the nation, actually, in that term. So I was uh, I thought to myself, I came all the way from Benghazi. I might as well go apply to number one. So I applied for multiple schools. I did interviews. And I had a very uh, uh, elite uh, scholarship, special scholarship from Clarkson based on my uh academic work and also my uh my diversity and inclusion work that i've done in community college or 
support for diversity that I've done in Libya as well. So those two things combined helped me out in getting a very gr uh, great opportunity with Clarkson University that actually happens to was my number one choice. And that's why I chose it. And it basically, again, it was the reason for professional development and Clarkson was the number one internship in the nation. That's that's how I ended up there. Okay. Uh, no, that's. It, I'm, I'm glad that it worked mm -hmm. out for you. I mean, it's not always the case where everyone gets their or someone gets their first choice in in engineering school. And and I know too, and you probably know this now as well, that Amphenol not only Amphenol Aerospace, where where I'm located, but a number of different Amphenol divisions, uh, especially around the U.S., have a lot of Clarkson engineering grads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's a it's a great technical school. It's very focused in terms of uh, of technical. And industrial knowledge. So what we what they teach us over there, it's not just the basic engineering concepts. It's more engineering concepts applicable to the industry that you decide. So it helped that I knew I wanted to to pursue the aerospace industry. So I've done research about space uh, technology, about aerospace industry. Uh, graduated with a concentration in aeronautical engineering, and that's all because of the projects and the professors that Clarkson, uh, the, the Clarkson professors created for us and, uh, and in terms of fluid mechanics, thermodynamics that are specific to the aerospace industry. So that's, I think that's what make, made Clarkson unique in a way. It's the way uh, it, uh, you can navigate your way based on your own passion. So what helped me the most was I knew I wanted to pursue mechanical and aerospace engineering degree. Yet, yeah, this is going to sound like we're doing an advertisement for Clarkson University here. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine you, when you got to uh, when yeah. you got to Potsdam, New York, for the first time too, and especially your first winter there, uh, coming from <laughs> Libya uh, to Potsdam, that must have been quite the quite the culture shock for to you, especially weather-wise. To give you a perspective about where I come from, a couple of years ago when I was in Clarkson in, in Libya, the uh, temperature had. 41 degrees Fahrenheit and people went crazy that the parliament literally issued a day off to the <laughs> entire to the entire state i'm not kidding you because it was so cold meantime meanwhile yeah because yeah, it was so cold too cold and kids it's not uh humane for kids to go to school when it's 41 degrees <laughs> meanwhile i'm in clarkson and uh, it had negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit right and the school sends uh, send us an email yeah come to school come to class yeah. <laughs> it's not a day out so, yeah. so that that's the culture shock that's how big of a change it is uh, yeah. in terms of cold but uh, honestly as, as they advertise it in terms just wear the appropriate clothes and you'll, you'll be fine yeah. when there's a lot of indoors activities i'm a soccer player i like to do indoors activities there's right. a lot of them up there in Clarkson, so yeah, and funny. there's no time to play you study a lot so sure <laughs> so that that will take most of your day anyways so you're in Clarkson you are getting ready to graduate but you're in your last couple of years and you find Amphenol Aerospace for an internship so how did that come about so the career fair uh, was uh, how I I encountered with Amphenol Aerospace actually at the at the beginning and I was looking focused again on aerospace companies I listed them out I did my research uh, provided my own resumes and then Amphenol after my research I I saw it as a winning horse as a a place that 
has most of the things that I'm looking for in terms of a big corporate, a small focus uh, company, and also a lot of opportunities. And I've, spo- I've spoken to people uh, in events in Clarkson that worked at Amphenol before that. So that increased my interest. And then I, uh, I ran into them uh, during the career fair and they offered me an interview. Uh, on campus the next day and mm-hmm. based on uh, based on the experience but, but Amphenol actually wasn't my first uh, uh, professional experience because I did a co-op when I was in Clarkson uh, with the Bimbo Bakeries and what I did was focused and I know it sounds different but it's a uh, it's very relatable experience because I was uh, a manufacturing engineering uh, improvement okay I'm intrigued so, go ahead mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically yeah so it's a uh, uh, Bimbo Bakery is the biggest bakery in the world, and uh, they what what I were I worked in Omaha, Nebraska. Speaking about culture shock, Oof, Omaha, yeah, that's <laughs> for <laughs> the Libyan guy from Benghazi is now yeah. in Omaha, Nebraska. So, <laughs> right. So I I worked there for a, for on a co-op, which was five months. I loved it. it. I learned a lot. My my supervisors, the whole team, have taught me a lot. We were basically seven engineers on a mission to increase production and reduce uh, reduce waste. And I learned all what I've known back then about lean and Six Sigma. And that's what I use on a daily basis right now in my life, uh, not even in my professional life, in my personal life. The the whole lean concept and strategy. And I can elaborate more how. But basically, we were able to save that division that we worked at almost 2.2 million dollars in a two-year sustainability plan because of the implementations and uh, the basically best practices that we implemented after doing uh, the analysis so that was my first experience and that that kind of made me ready to join a company because uh, Amphenol is competitive to to join in even in Clarkson it's a it's a high-tier company it has a lot to offer the offer uh, their intern, the internship program was phenomenal, and uh, it's bas- it added a lot of value. So that's why you need to have something in order to join in, and that was my uh, ba- selling point basically to to the Amphenol team. Because when I talked to them first time, I wasn't that qualified yet to be an intern. But after that co-op, I was ready, and that's when I had my interview, and then I was called for an uh, for an interview. Uh, at the AAO facility in Sydney, mm-hmm. and they tricked me because I didn't go there when it was winter. So <laughs> that was the, that was the tricky part. It was it was still nice in Sydney, <laughs> yes. but hey, I, I came from Clarkson, so I knew I knew how it is. And yeah, and uh, when I went there, I did the facility tour, uh, and uh, I just started my internship with uh, with Amphenol. So what did you do uh, during your internship at Amphenol Aerospace? <clears throat> So I feel uh, that internship is definitely the reason that I'm now uh, for heading the uh, engineering development program. Mm-hmm. We, I, I was lucky to be assigned a big project that adds value to the company as a whole, a multi-divisional uh, basis. And what I did was created and started the molding uh, prevent and maintenance system. It's a barcode tracking system for molds used in manufacturing and cooperated to a software that traces uh, the usage of, of molds. We have uh, more than 3,000 molds in just the Sydney facility itself. And they break during production, increases the life cycle, uh, reduces the life cycle of the mold and increases the lead time of, uh, of any new product. So it has a lot of financial uh, implica- uh, implications on, on the production 
So what I did was I, I set the whole framework for a mold uh, prevention and maintenance system, uh, traced every single one of those 3,000 molds and uh, was able to identify a serial uh, barcode tracking system and work with the IT department to uh, basically incorporate it to our own, uh, uh, to our own uh, software. And now it's being used in AAO, uh, was implemented in Nagal. The engineer who took over after me, Jake Helpley, did a tremendous job with it. And he was able to implement it across uh, Nigalis AAO. And now we're working actually implementing it in ACC. And I've implemented a similar program in PCD. So I was I had the luxury and the luck of having a very effective uh, project assigned to me. And I was able to uh, basically execute on that project and get value out of it. And that's that was the, my main focus. There were small projects here and there, but it was only three months. So... That was uh, definitely uh, my baby. I used to call it this uh, this whole project with uh, with the AAO. Yeah. So you worked with the molding department here. I know this might seem like an odd question, but how mm-hmm. similar was it to mold plastic and rubber versus dough for a bakery? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely it's very different. It's very different. There's a lot that that goes into it, but the concept is one in terms of uh, PM system, prevent and maintenance, right, uh, right, uh, standard operating procedure, uh, increasing uh, increasing effectiveness, and using implementing best practices. The concept is one. Maybe the uh, the execution is different, but definitely the concept is one. It's definitely more high tech. And injection molding has a lot of uh, a lot of variables within. There's temperature, there's pressure control, there's uh, machinery uh, uh, handling, and and so on. That doesn't apply, obviously, for dough in a bakery. <laughs> and you can't eat the finished product here. But absolutely, yeah. I, I I'd like to think so. <laughs> so <laughs> so absolutely, it's uh, it's it's different. Uh, but as my I remember someone saying in AO. We make bread, right? So we still make bread in a in AO, and uh, it was uh, it was so the molding uh, techniques uh, definitely were would vary, but the concept as a whole was mm-hmm. one, which is which is creating tracking barcode tracking sure. system for all the tools and being able to enhance our production based on that, and it added value. I'd, I'd like to think a lot. That's why it's being implemented elsewhere. And that's why uh, after my the end of my internship, uh, within a couple of months, uh, Neil Wopi, the engineer, uh, the HR manager and uh, AAO reached reach out to me and he uh, shared this idea about uh, the whole engineering development program mm-hmm. and if I would be interested in, in that. And I loved it because so that's one thing after doing after finishing my internship with Amphenol, I was still interested in going back to Amphenol, but I didn't know what exact engineering application I wanted I wanted to do. So and then I found out about all these rotational programs and I started applying for rotational programs and I was really heartbroken that Amphenol didn't have one. And it just it was uh, it was a I was I don't know, a God's will or something, something mm-hmm. phenomenal that when Amphenol told me that we're starting it and we want you to lead it. I mean, we went through an interviewing process and so on, but he, he asked me to apply. So it was, uh, it was very, uh, it was very interested. And that's why, even though I got multiple offers from other companies, uh, in other rotational programs, but in other rotational programs, you just, uh, uh, statistics and in terms of a bigger picture. Oh, I see. Yeah. With an Amphenol, 
basically we are the engineering development program and we standardize it, we develop it. And it's something that is across Amphenol as a whole. You, we're not just, engineers are not just numbers, they're adding value, they're participant members of the Amphenol community. And that's uh, and that's something that I liked about the culture of Amphenol across. I worked in three different Amphenol divisions and I visited, I think, more than 20 at this point. But I've seen the culture. It's very similar. It's uh, it's very uh, family oriented, uh, divisional culture, not just a corporate number statistics driven company. If you if you know what I mean. So right. So tell me about the. Just give me the the brief overview of what the engineering development program for Amphenol is as as you and your colleagues developed it over the last couple of years. I know you've you've kind of touched on some on some aspects of it, of it, but if you were to summarize it for people who have no idea, how would you how would you describe it? And I, I just want to make sure that you go through the fact that it's not one location, it's multiple locations that get mm-hmm. rotated around. So it's focused across the military and aerospace uh, group of Amphenol. Uh, and basically, it's uh, an engineer doing different engineering functions in different facilities. That's the that's what entitles uh, on the engineering or on the participant level. You'll be assigned different tasks uh, of different engineering functions. You'll be doing design in one facility, doing uh, quality in another, uh, continuous improvement in one, and maybe uh, application sales uh, on another, and rotating within three years uh, across uh, Amphenol facilities uh, we started with north america but now we're even expanding in europe and uk and other other facilities are interested in joining the program and basically the purpose of it and the just of it is to bring as i as i mentioned Amphenol's each each company acts like a, a culture or family oriented small company but we're still part of a big corporate with enormous resources and uh, capacity the purpose here is to familiarize the future leaders who, who are the participants of the engineering development program of all the capacity, all the challenges in terms of uh, having very, because sometimes, yeah, we're, we're very individualistic. Yeah, I would say each, uh, each, each location, and that could have its, uh, its own challenges, right? In terms of communication, in terms of knowing who does what. So familiarizing a future generation of leaders in terms of what's the capacity, what's the challenges, and how can we fix that? And the goal is not just implementing uh, fixes and uh, and solutions uh, in the long term, but no, even within currently, where we're working with the, we're I'm part of the TAC, which is the Technical Advisory Council. It's a group that meets quarterly, a group of engineers and uh, technical uh, people across the Amphenol world, and we meet quarterly at uh, one location and discuss trending technologies, best practices across the group. And we're divided in uh, terms of uh, there's automation, there's materials, there's plating. Right. So there's different focus groups uh, within the Technical Advisory Council. And that's how we utilize our knowledge. And uh, familiar, we're familiar with different Amphenol divisions. And we contribute to this, to this council how to tackle those challenges and how to uh, how to basically increase uh, cooperation between different divisions. Well, I know it's been a, a huge hit already early on, and it's only been a couple of years since since this program has been implemented in the military and aerospace group, as you talked about. So you started Amphenol Aerospace and then went to Amphenol PCD in Beverly, Massachusetts, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what did you do there that was that was different from what you did at Amphenol Aerospace? 
uh, and BCD was definitely a diverse uh, experiment uh, uh, experience because uh, we we witnessed an enormous and unprecedented growth during my year uh, over there. So we were trying to keep up with uh, with all this growth, and it's a good problem to yes, have. Yes, it is a good so, problem. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely uh, I was. Uh, basically the directed towards that and driving continuous improvement to accommodate this growth in terms of uh, whether uh, acquiring machinery or developing our existing uh, uh, tooling. I did a lot of trainings. I focused on some of the uh, uh, ultrasonic welding techniques and design for ultrasonic welding, uh, uh, machinery acquisition again, and also... Uh, some I, I honestly even done some stuff with uh, some some projects with accounting team with the IT team on standardizing the project work uh, the engineering workflow uh, and some processes across the company as a whole and even uh, some reporting of finance uh, systems. So so all of these uh, all of these things combined I, I worked so I worked with with all the departments and again that gave me a great knowledge about PCD's capabilities PCD challenges. And what PCD has to offer to the to the group as a whole, and and uh, again, I also implemented the the PM system, prevent the maintenance system for the molds, uh, and PCD as well because I just I just love that project and I've seen the value of it, so uh, I I implemented it there, and those were basically my so I I didn't have a, a unique focus. I worked for the engineering design team, mm-hmm. but I uh, I I was focused on I I basically worked with all the departments. And that's 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 what took most of my year. It's a year thinking about it, it should be enough time, but it was very short because it was full of adventures <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Boston is an amazing place. I have to put that out here. It's a it's a wonderful place, and and PCD's culture is amazing, and the people there are are very helpful too. So that that that's why they will accept change. They're, they're, that's that's a big issue with continuous improvement as a whole. The culture of rejecting change. Uh, that I've seen in my previous experience before, uh, it's the culture changing the culture of people. Right? That's the hardest part, right? And and when you have people who are recipient of of change, that makes a huge difference. And I've seen that in, in PCD, and that's why we've we've made some successful changes uh, across the company. So, what were some of the resistance to change that you? witnessed at at some other places you worked at uh, as you talked about that in order for continuous improvement to really take effect and for people to buy in they have to be willing to change but yet you've had some experience where you're trying to improve processes you're probably trying to put in some sort of a preventum geez i can't even say it preventative maintenance program Mm -hmm. um but people don't want to change so in 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 your opinion in those instances what do you think the issues were so it has different different aspects right sometimes people uh, disagree with uh, with other uh, foreigner ideas it's it's the it's the it's the concept of being scared of a foreigner idea of something that will change you, your your mundane uh, lifestyle for example, some some changes that I've seen to give you an example to understand is from an operator standpoint who done this for 30 years. So it means he's doing it better than me because I'm not even 30 yet. And mm-hmm. and now I'm telling him how to change his operation. I had a similar, a similar thing before someone told me I've been doing this before you were born. Why? How? How can you tell me how to change it? You've been here for a couple of days. But as an engineer, I believe in data. 
I, I, I do my data analysis before I approach any change because many changes are irreversible. So you want to make sure that you implement the right change and not wasting engineering time and implementing changing and the reverse and back again. And that happens, believe me, more than I'd like to, th I'd like to think so. So, so you, you follow the data, you, you believe in the data. And the challenge would be if you present a data that doesn't make sense to some people who have uh, a limited perspective. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's all about perspective, and that's something I, I I'd like to learn about in my master's classes, and we, we talk about sometimes in in some operational strategies and international competi competitiveness perspective, like the whole perspective famous painting of uh, Monet in terms of looking at things. It's not right or wrong way, but it's just a new way, and you should be open to all of them. So when you have a limited perspective and you're not open. Uh, to a new perspective, then you will you'll refuse the change. You'll not be you, you won't understand it. You won't see the value of it. You will see that it will actually harm your operation rather than uh, enhancing it. And that's that's why when having someone who's uh, involved in the change and, and and this is a mistake I've seen engineers in many industries uh, use is they make the changes on the engineering and on the management level and they don't include the, the operators. So because I can't tell the operator what to do, right? That's that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can be the, the supervisor, you can be the boss, but it's wrong to make them do something they're not uh, accepting or they don't want to do. So that's why in some cases I try to make my ideas, sell it as the operator's idea. I will, I will put it in a discussion in a way that, so what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? Oh, really? Oh, that's a great idea. So. There will be more. It's like some some ways it's babysitting, but sometimes you have to do uh, you, you, good communication. Never it's never an issue, so it's it's never a problem to over communicate things. Sometimes. Yeah, no, it's it. That's very insightful on your part, especially for someone who is young, who is under thirty, to realize that you're going to be working with people, as you said, that have been doing the job that you're coming in um, fresh off of wherever to say, mm -hmm. hey, I think we need to make a change here. I mean, it's just human nature for them to, I think, initially resist. But it takes Absolutely. some selling and some storytelling almost on your part to say, no, 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 I, I think I think we can do this better. What do you think if we did that? And, and have them involved in the process is, is very insightful. I don't know if it's something that you just had innately in you or if it was some advice that you learned from school, but that's... That is really the best way if you want to implement change for something that's been going on for a long time, like for example, Absolutely. a manufacturing process. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's there's a story you got to tell and and people you have to convince, and it's more than just the data. The data certainly helps, mm -hmm. but it's more than that. It leads it leads the way, it creates the bat, but it doesn't execute. Execute theory is one thing. And then uh, execution is is another thing, right? So right. theory and production is different. As I've, I've seen it in a, in a design, when I'm doing a design and I run the simulation for, uh, you know, trying to to measure the voltage standing wave ratio on some some new design, some new ideas, and try to simulate the concept. It will make perfect sense in a computer. But once you go to production, it's another. It's a total different story. Oh yeah, and that. That's that's kind of similar to that when you the data is telling you that this will happen, but the data is not telling you that the operator is gonna be deliberately slower on this thing, or the operator is not gonna feel uh, will add make more errors and, and and so on. So so that's why the person who does the deed is the one that you need to get involved as the most 
uh, in my opinion. And this, I've definitely learned it through my limited experience. And I've, I've made the mistakes of not including operators before. And I've seen uh, the, the value that doesn't support my theory and doesn't support my data. And that's how I learned from my mistake of not doing that again and making including uh, everybody in the operation or in the process of change. No, it's, as I said, it's, it's very insightful. So good for you. That's, that's great to hear. So you get done at PCD, and then you move to Times Microwave Systems. Mm -hmm. And that's where you are now, correct? Yes, yes. I'm so what are, you doing at, what are you doing at Times? We'll just call it Times for the sake of brevity yeah. here. <laughs> so, yeah, at Times I started with uh, when I first started there with the design. And uh, I haven't done much uh, CAD uh, or designing tools since since school and you kind of forget i, I look at it as, as a language when you don't practice you 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 lose it mm -hmm. and different tools like solidworks and uh, creo and and cad they're same language but different dialogue so that's how i always look at cad in, in, in general so i started with that i started picking and practicing my my skills in cad and picking that up so i worked with a design team I've done a lot of uh, uh, designing, uh, uh, daily, day-to-day -day designing projects, trying to uh, lead. Uh, basically, some project I'm working on is leading the whole design team. Because Times is a, we have multiple locations, uh, part of Times. Right? We have in China, Arizona, Florida, and so on. So, uh, trying to basically drive the. Uh, one company vision between the design team and, and assign uh, certain design applications to the design team across based on uh, advantages and, and so on and quantify the workload as a whole. So that's something in, in addition to, to my daily design work uh, I started with in the first couple of months at design. And then, which is another great thing about the rotational program, uh, they needed my help in quality. So uh, I never worked in quality before, right? I've, I've done projects with quality, but not as a quality engineer. So I I moved to the quality department and and I'm working in two, in, in two major projects with the quality. Rather than uh, quality sometimes is firefighting, but it's fixing a problem so mm -hmm. it doesn't happen again. Right. And uh, that's that's one aspect of things. But also, uh, you you spoke with Andrew before, uh, business development manager for the SIO2 program, and and uh, I'm working with him closely on basically standardizing the this growing business. And that's uh, that's another aspect of things. And or in in addition to continuing working with my design my design team, uh, the project that I mentioned of between multi multiple divisions i went to several times divisions the last couple of weeks down in mexico and nigales and mm -hmm. and uh, oh, i've achieved some action items in that project and we made some progress uh, uh in addition to other things so so basically you can say i worked in three different departments at this point but mainly my focus is between quality and uh, and design so that's uh that's 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 what i'm doing right now it's it's, it's been very adventurous Again, great a great team uh, uh, over here, great management, and there's a lot of uh, area of improvement. We have the same problem that we have in PCD, which is we're growing and we're trying <laughs> to keep up with our growth. Right. 
Right. So, so I like those problems, and I'm 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 becoming more experienced in fixing growing business problems, and and from an engineering perspective. So you've been to three. You've been to three very unique and distinct Amphenol divisions in Amphenol Aerospace, Amphenol PCD, and then Times Microwave Systems. And you've been to I think you said some twenty other different locations in various Amphenol divisions around the world. So I think you've probably seen now, you could probably comment on what is what is it that that Amphenol means to you as far as just a company and a, and a culture is concerned? Because I think you've now experienced enough in your fairly short period of time, but still uh, quite extensive period of time as far as experience is concerned. What is it that you just really like about this and, and the company, the culture that makes you strive for more? It's it's uh, I would say it, it's different different cultures uh, everywhere because we're in different regions, in different states, and different countries. So the the different culture and what I love about Amphenol, it it reflects me as a multicultural person. I mean, I've, I've grown up in Libya. I've lived in Turkey for a while. I I've traveled to multiple places. I've uh, uh, I've lived in several 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 locations. So I consider myself multicultural person. And Amphenol is is in a in a way very similar. Uh, I'm very similar to the way Amphenol is in terms of uh, uh, doing the same thing because again, multicultural, but we're we're same humans, we're the same same people everywhere with different different ideas, speaking different languages, look a little bit differently, but mm-hmm. we're the same, and that's what Amphenol is because we make the same product and we contribute to the uh, speaking of the aerospace industry. Uh, in a similar way across Amphenol Group, and we're still different. So, so that's that's what Amphenol means to me. It's a, in some ways I'm very similar to the way it is, and and I'm growing and learning on a personal level too. I like meeting people from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from 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 different uh, places, and that adds adds to you as not just as an engineer or learning a new practice or a new technology also as a as a person it adds value to your life and you learn from your experiences of encountering people with different ideas so so that's what Amphenol is definitely I've grown within the last couple of years two years that I've been with Amphenol uh, a lot and I'm looking forward for growing more and learning more about uh, the Amphenol world I always refer to it as the Amphenol world because it's uh, it's a diverse world within the whole aerospace uh, aerospace industry so, so that's, that's true uh, mm-hmm. and you get to work on some more languages too right how many languages do you speak now I so I'm speaking three languages I do speak three languages I'm, I'm learning a fourth uh, it's just <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's hard it's hard to keep up especially with like um, as, as I told you I started my master's yeah. recently and uh with all these things, it's just, uh, uh, it is hard. And also, um, I'm still my passion for diversity and, and volunteerism. I don't know, for some reason, I still do that. And I still, uh, I'm, a, I'm a part of uh, a council called U.S. Libya Relations Council. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, an, it's a nonprofit organization based in D.C. that creates a partnership uh, between the two nations. And we have an annual conference uh, in the Congress, and basically we bring experts and share what's going on in Libya to the U.S. and and vice versa. So that's that's one thing I, I do, and it takes some time, you know, some volunteering time, doing some work for them. 
and also adding to that the the workflow that I'm working on and and your career is just not from eight to five right it's, sure. uh, it's a it's a career and then adding the masters so I kind of been slacking on learning <laughs> the language so what are the three languages you know English obviously so I, English and Arabic is my native yeah, tongue, right. and I, I, I also speak Turkish because I lived in Turkey for four years oh, okay. gro- growing up, and I'm learning Russian. I've been taking classes. Uh, I've taken classes a couple of years ago, and again, if you don't practice this, you lose it. I've, I was able to read and write in Russian. Uh, maybe you can run a small conversation, but now I'm slacking a lot on that. I need to get back to it. <laughs> so how do you say in Arabic... The interface is my favorite podcast online. So yeah, bro. <laughs> nah, yeah. So interface well برنامج في المونتاج. استمعوا له. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yep. So Mohammed, thank you. Pitch. Yeah, You're thank you so welcome. much. Thank, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity, and I really appreciate your time. And it was it was it was, it was fun. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. Thanks. Thank you.